Miriam, thank you so much for being with us. Uh, welcome to our listeners to the Ukirk Atlanta podcast. Uh, is this November edition? This is November, isn't it? It's a, th- it's a special Thanksgiving episode. Oh my gosh, Ooh. this is going to go out at Thanksgiving. Happy Turkey Day, everybody. Uh, <laughs> a turkey. It's Friday, November 27th, 2020. And you're listening to the supersized Thanksgiving edition of Ukirk Atlanta Presents, the Ukirk Atlanta Podcast. This week, we're joined by Miriam Morkesh, freelance manuscript editor, library consultant, anti-bias curriculum developer for the YWCA Children's Centers, and communications researcher for We Need Diverse Books. I'm Drew Wilmisher. I'm Sarah Hooker. I'm Miriam Morkish. And welcome to the Ukirk Atlanta podcast, special Thanksgiving edition. Uh, so I just went grocery shopping, uh, literally just walked in the door and put all the frozens away. Uh, how big of a turkey are y'all eating? Sarah, how big is your turkey? Uh, I bought a 12 and a half pound turkey. Respect. So not a huge one, but we are very... Our bubble, our family bubble that we've had the whole pandemic includes nine people. So, and we are all doing Thanksgiving together. So, so 12 pounds over nine people, that is three children, but um, should be plenty. <laughs> I think that's a sizable turkey. We yeah. just got a, a like a half of a breast, I think, because there are just two of us. Um, so... You are you are corn corn th- Thanksgiving corns giving. We are we what's are corns giving. <laughs> what are we? What's the truncation here? How are we mushing all of this together? <sighs> thanks quarantining. Thanks quarantining. <laughs> Perfect. I like that one. I like it. <laughs> it sounds like a holiday themed cocktail for the pandemic. Ooh. Yeah. We also we also got this isn't the answer to my favorite Thanksgiving food, but it might be, but we also got, they make jumbo Prosecco's at uh, Trader Joe's. Did you ever see that? Not at Trader Joe's, but at Costco, they have jumbo oh, I believe <laughs> It's like three bottles in one. It's actually it huge. Yeah, we were checking out and the guy was like, um, I don't, I don't have a bag big enough. And I said, it's okay. I'll just hold it like a toddler. And he started laughing so much. And I was like, I'm really not that funny. But then like we were walking out of the door and he just kept going, <laughs> toddler (laughs) (laughs) i love it when you come across somebody who is maybe a little bit at the end of their rope but you trip them off not into a fit of rage but they're just like that was funny and now i'm gonna laugh for the next 45 minutes entertainment for the rest of the day i love it immediately immediately my thought was now i need to find a baby bjorn and go to Costco so that I can appropriately carry out my very large bottle of sparkling wine in a baby Bjorn. You can go viral. Um, can you please one on the front, one on the back, and then yes! a couple of car carriers. And then, car and then a stroller. I'll just bring an empty stroller. <laughs> a twin stroller. Just fill it. Like one of those preschool style children? where it's No, four it's in a line. for my large bottles of Prosecco. Oh, this is the wine cart. <laughs> oh, oh are you man. starting a business are you catering a wedding <laughs> nope this is my toddler bottle this is my toddler my large oh, bottle of my gosh. carrier <clears throat> i well i'm officially uh sub naming the the you know colon you know Ukirk atlanta thanksgiving podcast colon a holiday cocktail for the end of the world that's what i'm naming this <laughs> I love it. Yep. All yep. right. So favorite favorite Thanksgiving food. Mary, me first. Me? Yeah. I I don't know if this is a hot take or not because everyone always says something that's like, oh, a traditional side or something. But like, I am a meat fiend and I love turkey. Like, I will just go absolute ham on the turkey and cover it with all kinds of things. <laughs> ham on turkey. 
<laughs> Ham on turkey. I did that on purpose. <laughs> Love it. What's your favorite way to prepare a turkey? Oh, thanks for asking. Um, I don't know because my family always gets together yeah. at um, my cousin's house. Well, no, not her house. I have innkeeper cousins who own an inn in the mountains um, on a commune. I thought that was like another branch of cousins, like second cousin twice removed. Like, oh, I've got innkeeper cousins. Like, how? Anyway, you've got cousins who keep an inn. Everyone's got them, right? (laughs) So they they keep an inn. And so the whole family usually goes around to theirs at Thanksgiving because they have like an industrial kitchen. Um, And we make like 20 turkeys, but Nancy's always in charge of the turkey and won't let anyone see how she prepares it. So I have no idea what to do with this hunk of meat in my fridge right now. I'm going to be a Googling, but if anyone has advice. (laughs) Is, is, uh, what's her name? Nancy? Nancy. Yes. uh, Is she, is she online or is there? I mean, they're in, they have a rotary phone. Sweet. that's about okay. it well i don't want to give out technology. any personal information but I, I was just trying to think if there was some way maybe we could get like our listeners on board with a push for this recipe like nancy just give it to miriam <laughs> just give it to miriam yeah. this is you know in 20 of all years you don't have to release it to the public you just don't have to tell us just tell miriam she needs this <laughs> please it's fine my mom's been trying to call her to get the recipe for squash rolls so they can make it and to no luck i think it's been like a month's campaign and and i'm just i'm gonna have to resort to other sources and these are proprietary secrets maybe you might find your own method that you enjoy even better exactly i have a sage plant might pluck some of those little sage arms off and and burn them and Nancy okay. never gets to find out how. Yeah, suck it, Nancy. <laughs> no, we love you, Nancy. Um, okay, Drew, your favorite. Okay, I keep asking because I feel like a crazy person. Does anyone else eat carrot souffle? Is this a thing? Okay, well, no, my, not a thing. my grandmother, who is in her 90s, uh, I, I have this memory of her bringing carrot souffle or some, it was a sweet carrot dish. And I think it was one of those ways to trick your youngsters into eating their vegetables. And I thought it was delicious because carrots are naturally sweet anyway. And, uh, but nobody I've ever talked, even in my own family, they don't know what I'm talking about. And I'm like, this has to, I didn't fever dream this into being, um, but I I'm I'm gonna yes also meet fiend um if you can't tell by my appearance um this body is well never mind but um like ham turkey any of the holiday meats goose uh duck like I you know the turducken has is like a mythical creature to me that I am on the hunt for and I'm trying to find people like let's shove some birds inside of other birds and then let's just deep fry it um, the number of ways you can make a turkey astound me. You know, the the yes. the brine overnight, the dry brine for four days. You yep. can spatchcock, which is like, you're going to be a butcher for a day and cut out its spine and then break its ribs. You're like, oh, stop talking, but just do it because it's delicious. <laughs> um, you know, frying. I'm like, what are we, you know, how how can we combine all of this into one super method? So... So, Miriam, that's my answer to your question about how to prepare a bird is just all of it. Do all of it. Yep. Do do the things. Mm-hmm. Sarah. Oh, is it my turn? It is your turn. I mean, I love every I, I, I love I just love food in general. So, you know, picking one is challenging. Um, but I love this is so sad. <laughs> I think my favorite part of Thanksgiving is the gravy because you literally put it on everything and it tastes good. <laughs> it's so important. The Thanksgiving glue. It's you lit- Let's put like, it all together. It's my favorite part of the meal when you you fill up the plate, you put all the things on it, your turkey, your stuffing, your mashed potatoes, your green bean casserole, your Brussels sprouts, which are also my fav- another of my favorite 
they're in like the top three. But then you put it all on there, and you just pour gravy literally just over the whole plate. You just it doesn't matter. And then it even goes well with the cranberry sauce. Yes, I love mixing those two together. They're I think they so are good, phenomenal. Mix so, a little gravy with a little cranberry sauce, blend it up with some Sprite. You got yourself an excellent oh, holiday no. cocktail for the end of the world. N- not, not that, but <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what it says about my personality that gravy is my favorite part of the Thanksgiving meal. It's a very, it's a very French, you know, that's a but very But it might be appropriate take. for 2020, so, I, I, I like you know. a good sauce. I don't know what accent that is, vaguely European. I like a good sauce. <laughs> I like a sauce to hold the meal together. I don't know. I'm going to stop. Italian um, maybe? I don't think Italians eat gravy, but it's okay. A, it's an accent no. that doesn't exist. Um, <laughs> this is not a person in the world. Yeah. So there's mine. Sarah's favorite food at Thanksgiving is gravy. Yes. I one year I went the first year I made turkey I was like I'm gonna do a turkey gravy you know I'm gonna make it in the pan I didn't know how to make a gravy I didn't know that there was flour or butter involved and so in the gravy boat I literally just poured all the rendered fat into it and I was like here you go friends and family enjoy some turkey gravy and they're like Drew this isn't gravy this is garbage This is the garbage part of your food. You need to throw this. The turkey, delicious. Gravy, not gravy. Ring, a ding, say what's that sound? It's the gravy boat coming around. It's the gravy boat, not the navy boat. Anyway. This might be the (laughs) most random podcast yet. It really will. (laughs) It really will. Settle in. Yeah, so Miriam, tell us about yourself. What do you? Where, where are you? What do you do? Professionally, uh, personally, grammatically, all of those things. They're all really the same, aren't they? Um, I live in Minneapolis, and I live here. Um, I work for the YWCA of Minneapolis, and I do anti-racist preschool curriculum development. Ah. It's kind of the best. Um, That's awesome. I Right. I feel like I'm doing good work. Uh, but I also do some freelance editing on the side, which is how grammatical it's all it's all in there. Um, and I work for the organization We Need Diverse Books. And I do also some freelance consultation work for libraries, curating their children's literature collections. So we're just out here doing some good work, not getting paid that much, but it's okay. (laughs) I'm fine. Welcome to the world of nonprofits. I know, right? (laughs) It's okay. We're okay. We're okay. As long as you can have a half a breast of turkey on Thanksgiving, you're good. Exactly. Exactly. Yes. My regards to the Cratchit family. (laughs) Exactly. God bless us, everyone. I um, did just qualify for additional SNAP benefits because of COVID. So everyone on food stamps gets a little extra something, something. So that's exciting. (laughs) It's a Thanksgiving miracle. (laughs) I know. Maybe I can have dessert. (laughs) Here's your thimble of chocolate. Exactly. Savor it. Save, not all at Careful. once. <laughs> <Not> leftovers, <laughs> yeah. Well, that is exciting. Well, how long have you been? Uh, how long have you been working there? Just about a month. So I finished grad school in August. And which was where? Which was at the University of Cambridge in the UK. And so then I moved back to the America and hung out in Atlanta for a little bit, unpacked, learned how to not be 
in the UK. Learned how to drive again, pretty much. Oh, right. Uh, right? Absolutely horrifying. I did absolutely go down the left side of the road here about a month ago, though, which was not ideal. I did get beeped at, but we recovered, and it hasn't happened since, so it's okay. Um, I have done that now, on roads yeah, that I thought out. were one way only, and then was exactly. pulled I at I the intersection. Yeah, at the intersection, they rolled down their window, the people next to me, and like, this isn't a one-way road. And I was like, I don't know how to fix this. Um, <laughs> I'm stuck. Sorry, it is now. <laughs> how long did, uh, how often have you asked people for a spot of tea and been alarmed that they had none? See, I think I would do that more if I left the house. Um, it, maybe I'll have more of an adjustment period because I'm truly living, because my boyfriend and I both went to grad school in the UK. So we just live in our little... British hobble over here, drinking tea always and True. stocking hobnobs and everything. So like, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> we still stay in it and call each other mate every day. So <laughs> I, think, I think it's going to be more of a culture shock when I'm actually like in the culture. <laughs> Your bubble is a very British bubble. It is. <laughs> in it, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's too funny. Well, tell us a little bit about um, about your your studies. Like, uh, what was your area of focus? Um, oh. Undergrad, grad. So this feels like a job interview, but I'm so prepared. I love it. Um, I, the stakes are not so a job. low. <laughs> yes. Give me another job, please. <laughs> If you were unsatisfied with your course of study, you could make up a whole course of study and we would just believe you. And that could be your new truth. I do love lying. It's called an acting exercise. Yes. Actually, I have an agent up here in the Twin Cities. And um, I called them when I moved back. I was like, oh, hi. I'm back if you want to give me some jobs. And they went, okay, well, it is COVID. And I went, mm -hmm, yes. Um, but apparently there are some like Zoom TV shows and stuff people are making. I think Netflix has one. So like, we'll see if I, uh, anyway. So I'm probably got, lying to. You've got all the equipment. I have. Got the you, computer. Ju you just need a green screen and uh, uh, reactions. Yeah. Uh, boatload of reactions. A yep. shark. Yeah. Yeah. I'm ready. I'm ready for it. If anyway. that's your reaction to a shark, everyone around you is dying. Because <laughs> no one will believe you. They'll be like, uh huh. Yeah, Miriam went, oh, no, my leg. Your reaction should have been bigger. I've seen swab. It was like Trump's coronavirus response. You know, don't want to alarm anyone. <laughs> Not to alarm anyone. You're about to die. There's. A pretty there's a chance you'll survive. How do you feel about legs and having them? Um, right, college. I so I went to McAllister, like Sarah, up here in the Twin Cities, um, in St. Paul. So I've made made the switch, you know, over to Minneapolis, which is drama. Um, but they do they do citywide composting here. It, okay, so Right, uh, McAllister. They do. It's super impressive. Isn't Sorry, awesome? excuse me. I was just at my sister's house last month, and she lives in Minneapolis. Yeah. And I was like, what is this bin? She's like, composting. I'm like, excuse me, what? Right? It's, it's so amazing. Cool. Everyone needs to get on it. Yes. That's not the only reason I switched to Minneapolis, but I mean, <laughs> super nice, right? Um, actually, might have been the only reason. It's okay. Um, <laughs> I... <laughs> I studied English literature with a focus on post-colonial and diasporic literature with further focus in comparative Israeli-Palestinian literature and African-American literature. Ooh. And then I had minors in psychology and Arabic. Um, and so that was, that was undergrad. And then for grad school, I went on to do children's literature with a focus on post-colonial children's literature with further focus in african-american children's lit so that is my absolute specialty i feel i think there are exactly four of us in the field of african-american children's literature including myself and um it's a nice it's a nice place to be i like being kind of an expert i recognize i'm white and i recognize my privilege in the field but so you do have mirrors i do there's one right here fantastic and i see myself right there yeah, yeah. <laughs> 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 oh look. yeah still am good 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 uh, 
<laughs> no, that's excellent. That's excellent. So there are like four of you. Do you ever, you know, just organize a random Zoom call these days and be like, what are you doing? No. I, you, no, you I can think, hope, well, the rest you could have like your own mini conference. We absolutely could. We could have a tiny mini conference. The rest of them, I think, are really, really busy right now. It's it's really a, a hot time for anyone in any African American studies, and so right. which I is don't so great. No, yeah, <laughs> I'm the person they want to be chatting to right now. <laughs> but that's all right. Maybe someday. <laughs> that's right. That's right. It always comes back around. Did you always want to work in literature and particularly kids literature or was this something that you discovered in college or even in grad school? I kind of realized that I wanted to go into any literary field my first year of college when I, I entered undecided, had some interest in like developmental psychology, which I maintained and come in very handy in my work right now um, and in, in children's literature as well. So I realized I think that I was meant to be an English major when I took an intro to anthropology course and on the first day our professor asked why we were there and I said well Kurt Vonnegut majored in anthropology so <laughs> I'm here for Kurt and he was like oh okay uh, and then I, I think later that semester <laughs> I went I should probably if I'm making decisions based on famous <laughs> authors maybe that's a sign <laughs> that I should uh, <laughs> Not planned to be an anthropologist. Um, so, or at least, uh, you know, have that as a second major yeah, in right. English. Like that could okay. be not the top priority. It could be there. But um, really, I was fully driven by Kurt. So uh, I declared an English major and uh, carried on doing some of that. And then I took an African-American literature class because it was required that anyone in uh, English department at McAllister take an African-American lit class, which rock on, right? right. Um, and I loved it. So I take a whole bunch more and do a whole bunch of independent research into it and then followed up on that in grad school, which I think the, the children's lit area came about when I took a literary publishing class, which was kind of a hybrid class between like a formal classroom setting, but then the entire class published a book throughout the course of the semester and it has a registered ISBN. It's called The Hunt for Marcus Kane. It's not that good, but it's okay. Um, and <laughs> really plugging it. Um, <laughs> and I think I have it on my bookshelf. No, I think I actually might have thrown it out. So I definitely did. I definitely did. <clears throat> I took a literary publishing class and was thinking, okay, like I think I could really get into editing and publishing. Like trying to see a book kind of through to its finished product and support an author the entire time. I had a lot of editing experience kind of previously and it just felt really comfortable and I like speaking author and I think I can as an author myself uh, right. buy my book coming out May 14th. Oh. Um, so I so said like that was comfy and um, it's, it's just, I just love publishing. I think it's a great field to be in. So I thought that's a great place to be, but it's wildly competitive and everyone needs to kind of find a niche within publishing if you want to be in it. Right. Uh, and I think I just kind of paired that with my previous experience in childcare and in developmental psychology. And then also with my just inner ideological drive because like children's books are absolutely how we change the world. And also if you want a job in publishing, like people like to think it's a dying field, but the children's publishing field is like multiplying at a rapid speed, partially because of COVID, but also because right. people are realizing that kids are spending so much more time on screens that previously when screen time was kind of like a break, the book time is now the break because it's just a rest for the eyes and it's so important for literacy development and interpersonal and like community building as well. Like yep. the fact that a picture book is the size for two laps, it's something that absolutely fosters relationships between people and kids' lives. So I was like, this is the ticket. Here we go. Ran with it. Went to Cambridge. I, a lot of people turn up their noses at, at people studying children's lit at Cambridge, but it's fine. Everything's fine. Like, I hope you enjoy your astrophysics, whatever your name was, German guy. <laughs> I got in Go several check fights. Out some, 
go look really far away at some yeah. stars. I'm going to talk to these kids, <laughs> kids about how to be better people. Right. <laughs> In very simple you sentence structure with lots stars. of colorful illustrations. Yes, beautiful Thank pictures. You. My <laughs> stars are here. Where are yours? You know, like <laughs> that on your pipe and Fault. smoke it. That doesn't, that's not a, yeah. Creative writing. <laughs> <laughs> It's a process, it you know, no bad ideas and brainstorming. That's incredible. I actually, uh, I really enjoy uh, whenever I find uh, one of your recommended lists of children's literature. Um, our daughter, you know, you're talking to a couple of parents right. of real bibliophiles, yeah. <laughs> uh, folks, kids whose library is already bigger than mine. Like I got, I got this going on. Uh, my daughter's library is twice the size of that. Sounds so, right. Yeah, as it should be. Yeah, and sh- yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, children love reading, you know, when you when you do it with them and when they get into it. I mean, children's needs are so, you know, they're small, but so insistent and persistent. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, So that's that is fantastic work. And uh, so thank you for for continuing to to better. You know, I am curious, uh, where could people find more of that kind of thing from you? Um, More of those resources? Is there a a source? Well, I so I like work for We Need Diverse Books, which is a really easy resource. They have a whole bunch of book lists of like Black-owned bookstores or Latino-owned bookstores or Asian-American-owned bookstores if you want to support a specific organization. But they also have book lists for every single need. Um, The American Autism Society also has a whole bunch of great resources because I've been doing a lot of work with social stories and kind of autism support um, as far as literature goes, as far as like explaining current events through literature. Um, And so they've been really great. Um, but we need diverse books, I think is kind of my go-to, like, if you're just looking to kind of evaluate your book list, I think it's incredible. I also, there's a small, like, I think it's an Instagram account, um, called Little Black Book Nook, and they have great resources. I also, I think, put out some pretty great resources, too. Whenever (laughs) I feel like it, I compile a book list of my recent recommendations or new releases and send it out into the ether. So, uh, (laughs) that's one plugging myself moment. And is that on social media, or is that, do you have a website? I, I used, I actually think I technically, I do have a website, um, but I don't use it and I haven't updated it since, since like 2015. So don't go looking for that. Um, but like social a- media is kind of the most accessible <laughs> way to, to spread information. So I use Fantastic. the Instagram and the Facebook and then my mom shares things on Facebook that I've posted, which means that like all of her hundreds of thousands of friends see it and send it to their kids and their who's it's and what's it's so Martha Morkish is also my social media bless her <laughs> and and what a what a very social media <laughs> she is um <laughs> she is literally friends with everybody I know everybody. I think we have the right. same friends list <laughs> like I Facebook and stuff we do <laughs> You know, there there are a few people that you're like, yeah, well, you know, of course, we'd all be friends with the same people, small world, same, you know, social circle kind of thing. But Martha Morkesh is legitimately, uh, I, I went to India with your mother, and she would meet people that she knew. I'm like, you are, you are 
omnipresent. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, not to, to mythologize anybody, but a little bit. A um, little bit. <laughs> <laughs> no, I she's, think it was like, go ahead, sorry. Well, I was just going to say she's fantastic, but you were. Well, like the first, I think the first time, my, the first or second time we went to like the Montreal College Conference, there was some sort of like social media that they had where you could post things and you could set your name. And I think I set my name as like, yes, I am Martha Morkish's daughter. Don't ask me about it or something like that. And I got so much attention for it. I was like, I did this as a preventative measure. Right. <laughs> I, was, I specifically said, it's in the Stop. name. <laughs> Don't ask. Come up with a different icebreaker. <laughs> Anything else. Favorite pasta shape. <laughs> Childhood celebrity crush. Any any other question? I'll favorite you know. three wheeled vehicle. I don't know. Great one. My grandmother just got an adult tricycle and she loves it. That's my favorite one. Makes her happy. Great for her knees. Done. Well, I <laughs> does it have the overly large basket? Probably. I love oh, those baskets. Had one in Cambridge. Carried all my stuff in it. Brilliant. Well, I need to find another million dollar idea. So good to know that that's already out there. I can scrap all the work it's on that. Can't take it. Yep, ball it up <laughs> yeah, and guess. throw it in the trash can. Scrap that one up. Oh. Oh my goodness. Um. Yeah. So I'm. I'm actually a little curious. Like you're talking to a couple of pastors' kids, uh, and there's a pastors' kid in the background who's currently <laughs> melting down because it's 40 minutes past her nap time. Um. She's. She went to okay. She went to Kroger today, dressed like a rhinoceros. Oh Excellent. yeah, she's having, the she, in the costume I purchased in the for her. costume that Sarah Hooker purchased for her last year, uh, the day after Halloween. She's having a good childhood. Just for everyone who can hear her, she's just tired. <laughs> um, but no, there is uh, there is kind of an odd. Uh, air you know a, an odd atmosphere growing up um as the child of someone who is very much a part of the community and very high profile in certain areas like a uh, congregation is one microcosm of that but i am just curious like what was your experience you know growing up um and being you know the child of someone so high profile <laughs> like, like caveat High profile in very specific, in specific niche. Circles. We're not niche talking Beyonce. <laughs> but like but close. If you, but if you went to Presbytery, you would think it was Beyonce. Yeah, that's the well, yeah. I didn't know it wasn't normal, I think, until I was in like middle school or high school because right. I was used to going to General Assembly and then just can't go anywhere without everyone flooding you and talking to you and telling you they've seen you since you were a baby and going like, Yeah, okay. Um so like it was normal, right? Um, until... You're like, no, I've seen you since you were a baby. Ha, yeah, well, gotcha. Take that, right? Um, <laughs> maybe the hair you had in the '90s, yeah. So um, <laughs> when I, <laughs> where'd it go? Because your ball, oh, I gotcha. Um... <laughs> <laughs> but um, when I was in middle school, <laughs> I'm okay. I'm back. Um, I went to <laughs> General Assembly with the youth group of Central Presbyterian Church. And no one went up to all of my friends and told them that they'd known them since they were babies and said that they like loved their parents' work and stuff. So I was like, oh, maybe this isn't normal. Um, <laughs> yeah. But I, like, I think I, I really didn't like it for the longest time, but now... I, I mean, like, even though I loved attention so much, it's just kind of like, why, you know, why can't people like me? For me? Um, mm -hmm. <laughs> but I think that I've kind of gotten some special treatment, which is kind of nice. Like, I, I worked at Montreat for a couple of years, and uh, yeah, right, one of the very specific Presbyterian spaces. Um, and everyone who would land of glory, <laughs> oh, uh, everyone who'd come in for a conference or was in any kind of leadership position probably definitely um, knew my mother. And I feel like if anything kind of went wrong with uh, like technology or with any sort of like space setup or facility kind of issue, if I showed up <laughs> to like a conference leader or, or an adjunct staff member, they'd be like, oh, 
actually, it's fine. And like, if anyone else wanted to kind of yell at them. So I was like, wow, I have a lot of power right now. <laughs> but no one wanted me to be like, oh, you know, mom, so-and-so yelled at me today and, and get in trouble with Martha's bad books. So like, <laughs> I kind of got a bit spoiled, never got in trouble at work, even if I like, kind of messed something up. <laughs> Nepotism. So you're, you're, you're basically, uh, who is an equivalent today? Uh, you know, besides you're like the Paris Hilton of the sure. Presbyterian world. Yeah, you know, do just it. like, you can do no wrong. Socialite. Just, I'm, yeah, I'm kidding. I'm, I'm kidding. Presbyterian you are not. Socialite. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Into it. Also, Drew, what a dated cultural reference. I know. <laughs> She just came out with a documentary. Did you see? She's back I, in the zeitgeist a little. I did. Little I bit. did. I did. I haven't seen the documentary, but I saw that there was a documentary. I about definitely her. watched the documentary like the day it came out, but don't tell anyone. No. <laughs> that is staying in. <laughs> I've rediscovered some of her music too. I forgot no. that she forgot was a musician, right? quote unquote. I, I musician. <laughs> Yeah, I think musician is a very loose uh, term for what like uh, what you? came out under her name. <laughs> what offspring she claimed. She, oh. she did stuff. Oh my gosh. In, in a tune or two. But that is that is funny. I <laughs> uh, I don't think I would have guessed um, you know that idea of being you know treated a little bit differently but just kind of everywhere you went um i remember in high school uh i was told that i actually had to go be a part of a different youth group than the one where my at the church where my mom worked like i was still allowed to be a part of that one too but you know they were like but i'm also you know go be somewhere where you're not a, the pastor's kid you know go no. be somewhere and i really i appreciated that but i i imagine that would be so much harder <laughs> You know, at, yeah. when uh, there are so many, for the folks who don't know, uh, Reverend Dr. Martha Morkesh, um, Miriam's mom, is a theology professor at Columbia Theological Seminary. And there are so many, Sarah, myself included, uh, folks who <clears throat> were taught by her and really influenced. Um, and so that's what we're talking about <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> to catch yeah. up our listeners. Right. Yeah. <laughs> for this long conversation. We're new, still new to podcasting. We're getting used to <laughs> It's the okay. order of things. Talking to our friends like, oh, wait, we should probably let people know what we're saying. Inside joke, inside joke. Yeah, right. <laughs> I mean, but the good thing about podcasting is that all of this is edited so we can rearrange the conversation so that it exactly. does make sense. Non-linear time. Whoa. Yeah, the fun thing that has just changed is that my... If you Googled my name, and naturally I Google my name all the time. I don't do that. I used to in high school. But uh, for the longest time, if you Google Miriam Morkish, the first thing to come up is the Wikipedia page for my mother. And it's just changed. And so now what comes up is the Academy of American Poets. So I'm a hey. bit more pleased with that. <laughs> That's right. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Differentiation. Yeah. Self-identity. Yeah. That's awesome. I'm out of the panoptic gaze a little bit. Yeah. That's like, fantastic. So I think this is something, I mean, this is a particularly pastor's kid problem. Um, but we're all pastor's kids in this room right now. So that's where we're going to speak from, our experience. That's right. Um, but like a lot of students or a lot of people just even if they're not pastor's kids, go to college and they kind of discover their where they fit into their relationship with the divine and with religious organizations in different ways than what they have grown up with because there's no more parents there to tell them where to go and what to do and you have to see these people um, and this space. Um, but um, I think it's, there's an extra layer on that for pastor's kids too, because you're like, all of a sudden you're not in your pastoral parents realm, right? You're like, I get to, I, I get to decide what I am doing on my own. <laughs> like, how was that experience for you? Like I'm sure McAllister's changed in the, uh, <laughs> 
however 15 years between when you and I attended <laughs> there um but it also hasn't <laughs> so like um so like what was your experience of like uh discovering who you were as a person of faith um outside of your parents realm um and as an independent emerging adult well, in part, I wasn't really completely out of their realm because my chaplain at McAllister was my mom's student at Yale. So, um, <laughs> well, sure. <laughs> I, so I great chaplain. Great chaplain, by the way. Great yeah, chaplain. Kelly. Um, Kelly's great. <laughs> I, I, you know, kind of rolled in like, oh, <laughs> didn't expect this. We didn't actually know. We, 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 I mean, I naturally didn't. But my mom forgot about her, and so we we got there on the first day of orientation. And my mother made me go to like the chaplain's tea and like go and meet everyone. And I walked in and Kelly like runs up to my mother and goes, oh my gosh, Martha Markish, hi. And my mom's like, hi. What? <laughs> <laughs> and Kelly's like, oh, you, you were my professor at, at Yale. And my mom's like, oh, yeah. So, <laughs> That was an unexpected twist. But I think that, like, I'd gone in just being like, I'm not going to church. Like, there's just no way. Like, I've I've gone to three services a day since I was wee and small. And I'm yep. just freaking sleeping in. And I don't know, sometimes day drinking on Sunday. Like, we love a mimosa and we love an all-day brunch. And I will not go to the house of the Lord. Um, so, like... Truly did. I don't think I went to church at all um, <clears throat> when I was on campus. Yep. But then when I came back for Christmas, I was so gung ho. And I think that I was kind of expecting to fully kind of distance myself. But then I'd come back and I was like, oh, I got to see everyone. I want to sing some songs. And I think the music was what I missed so much. And like humming hymns to myself was like my closest <laughs> relationship to church, right? Um, so like it was very much a, a rejection in my undergrad, but then I went to grad school because like everything, especially at Cambridge is like very Anglican. And sure. whenever you go to, I feel like I have to like translate um, for, right. So you, you go to formal hall, which is like the dinner in the great hall, like in Harry Potter and you wear your robe and they give yep. you wine and you sit at the long tables to process in. So the undergrads have to stand for the grad students. So, right, we walk yep. in and then um, all the fellows. There's, there's and, a high table, right? There's a high with, table. With all the guests. Yes. And so then the headmistress says the blessing and then you sit down. And so there's a whole thing. Um, and there were chaplain's teas and there were um, like evening services and morning services and afternoon service, so many things. And... I don't think any of my friends were particularly religious, but it was such a cultural thing. Um, and we were like so excited to go in Advent and Lent and just like be in the Girton College Chapel and have candles and get to sing all of these songs. Um, it's all music based, I think for me. Like, I think that's where where I'm excited to be uh -huh. in, in a, a place of faith, which is why Zoom church is not that cute because I'm just like sitting there with my little glory to God purple hymnal like <laughs> alone. Like that's not it, y'all. But um, the first time I, <laughs> I went to, I worshiped online and tried to sing the hymns by myself. I was like, oh, I sound weird by myself singing hymns, you know? <laughs> like I, I'm, a sing I'm a singer by trade, profession. But I, it is not him style. <laughs> <laughs> not, not. Yeah. It's when you, when you, you're the only one who can hear you and you're like, um, no. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yes. I, I get that. I get that.
Uh, I'm real curious since music is such a big part of um, your your faith, you know, experience. What is your favorite hymn, like all category? And then what is your favorite Advent slash Christmas hymn? Oh my gosh. I'm so glad you asked. My favorite hymn... I don't know when this originated, but I feel such a strong connection to it for some reason. I think I decided it was my favorite when I was seven, and then I just can't go back because seven-year-old me would be disappointed. But Lord, you have come to the lakeshore. Slaps. Love it. Uh, And then as far as Advent songs, In the Bleak Midwinter is just, I'm a big fan of it. Mostly, I think, because... it's something that like my mom and my sister and I will sing and we do a whole three-part harmony moment and it's any song where I can hear it and be like, oh, I sound good. I think I like a little bit more. <laughs> like, oh, this is right in my range. So, um, You're like, give me that middle part. I want that middle part. <laughs> um, and then like Coventry Carol as well. I, you know, it's nice and dark and smoky. What about you? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I've recently, uh, you know, I didn't know In the Bleak Midwinter until I got to college and like several years after that. And I remember when I first heard it, you know, because I didn't have, you know, any formative connection to it outside of uh, that initial hearing. I remember the first time hearing like, thinking that the writer was quickly running out of ways to describe snow. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But no, it is, it is a beautiful, beautiful hymn. And I've heard it done so many different ways since I first heard it. And then I realized, Oh, there's like a whole world outside of myself. That's awesome. I'm going to go explore it some. (laughs) Um, I love all of the Sufi. I'm, I'm that era of indie musician where Sufjan Stevens is like my godfather. Um, And I love all of his holiday albums, like even the sarcastic and ironic ones where he's like, I have a real confused relationship with Christmas and you're going to hear about it. (laughs) And you're going to hear it. (laughs) Give me the new one. But uh, yeah, my my go to my advent uh, to to kick off all advent is a a one two shot of Come Thou Long Expected Jesus and O Come O Come Emmanuel. Um, If I would often go into the chapel at seminary and just uh, bang that one out on the piano, Okamu Kami Manuel, and just like start off really soft and then just get louder and louder and louder and then just stop really suddenly so I could hear the, you know, echo off the walls. And then usually someone would come in and be like, are you okay? What's happening? <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, sorry, people work here. My bad. <laughs> yep. Sarah, how about you? Oh, I mean... I've been singing in church choir since I was in third grade. So like adult church choir in third grade. What Uh, what part did you sing in third grade? Soprano. Like, like super soprano? Super soprano. I mean, yeah, this is the problem when your dad's a pastor at a very small rural congregation and you are a young child who wants to sing but the only children in the church are you and your brother and sister and two other kids from a different family so not enough to have an actual children's choir so you beg the choir director or who is also the organist can you sing with the adults and they say yes because what Every small church choir is like, we will literally take anybody. You can be tone deaf and be in the choir. Um, (laughs) I was not tone deaf. (laughs) All God's children got a place. All God's children got a place in In the choir. Crosby, Minnesota. (laughs) That church no longer exists. That church church no longer exists. Um, They closed. A long time ago. I'm sorry, you cut out for a second. Could you go back and say what you just said? Oh, in Crosby, in Crosby, Minnesota. Mm-hmm. Um, that church no longer exists. <laughs> oh. It's one of those that small churches that is too small to survive. <laughs> yes. Thank goodness ours is a religion of resurrection. 
Yeah. Yep. Um, yeah. So I started singing in the choir. That's but so I don't know. My it's it's very it might be a little too cliche, but it's just one of my favorites. Be thou my vision is my favorite hymn. I love it. No matter how what style it's done in, I just I love it. Um, and then um, probably my favorite Advent hymn or carol is um, "Comfort, Comfort, Ye My People." Love that one. Um, it that that for me is like the quintessential like Advent song, like that that waiting, anticipatory time i love that song so i i there there it's easier for me to come up with a list of hymns that i do not like <laughs> rather than hymns that I, what's that your are least my, favorite my favorite what do you want to cut out <laughs> um oh gosh oh this is so no offense to the worship planners at Columbia Theological Seminary. Um, this is the thing. I hate this hymn so much that I don't even, I've blocked the name. It's the one, it's the one with the, um, the one verse that has the spinning, whirling planets, bubbling test tubes. What? Is in that verse. Oh. Bubbling test tubes. Yes. I'm looking, I'm looking it up. The whirling planets, bubbling test tubes, him. It's mm, it's not my favorite anymore. Mm. Also, love God. Michael Morgan is a blessing upon this earth, but he would play that hymn so slowly um, in 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 seminary chapel, and so so you're just like it's it's the longest hymn ever oh, no. with weird lyrics. And it just took even longer because we were singing it so slowly. Um, <laughs> it's not, that's one of my least favorite hymns to sing. Oh my gosh. That's a re wow. 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 This What's is the title? so strange. Earth and all Earth stars. And all yes. stars. Earth and all stars. Da, 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 da. There's like, it's like each verse is a tribute to a different period of human Interesting. history. Interesting, okay. There's like, <laughs> there's, someone really enjoyed the Industrial Revolution. Engines, Engines and steel. steel. <laughs> yep. Loud pounding hammers. Sing to the Lord a new song. Limestone and beams. Loud building workers. Everything's yeah. loud. <laughs> loud humming cellos? Again... That's the name of a cocktail. Loud humming cellos. Loud humming cellos. Yeah. Loud humming cellos. That's it's... hilarious. Classrooms and labs. Test loud tubes. boiling test tubes. Loud if and your boiling. test tubes are loud and are boiling, okay? get out. Get yeah. out. Your lab get is Get out of the lab explode. if you have loud boiling test tubes. It I've is. seen the movies. <laughs> yeah. The thing is, the, the melody, like, the music is great. Like, it's a great hymn. As musically, the lyrics, however, are not. I do not like them. Therefore, it is my it least is favorite so hymn. And then you get the classic um, funeral hymn uh, in the garden, which, um, uh, when I was a uh, congregational pastor, uh, that there is a generation of folks who are actively dying at a higher rate right now that just they love that hymn and it is requested at every funeral and no one can actually sing it so it was always <laughs> pastor sarah gives a solo does a solo on each they only sing they only sing the the chorus they don't sing any of the verses so it's here's pastor sarah singing a solo for each verse please join in on the chorus no, in the garden can go away. <laughs> go to your garden. It can it can leave the garden. Yeah. <laughs> can go. Jesus, Out of the garden. Jesus is in the garden. We don't need to be there. <laughs> Jesus can meet us, you know, at Starbucks. Yeah. Yeah. Ooh. I'm not going, Jesus I'm at not Starbucks, going to that garden. A memoir. Yep. Yeah. Now we're talking. Hello. <laughs> I feel like Jesus at Starbucks a uh, short film. Mm. Jesus Starbucks is short film. Is it 
Does Jesus get really angry at all the cups you at Christmas? You can't spell it! <laughs> it's okay if you forgot my birthday, but it just hurts that you do it every year. <laughs> Six months later! <laughs> it's not even my right birthday! Uh, <laughs> no one ever celebrates it on the right day, and when I do... You don't even put my name it's on Aries it. Aries erasure. You misspelled my name. It could just yep. be feet. It could be like, oh my god, I'd love to see a retelling of Jesus feeding the five thousand at Starbucks. Like <laughs> endless lattes. Like how there, the scones never run out. I mean, the scones always run out at Starbucks, but if this, Jesus is this. there, the scones will never run out. Everyone gets a scone. In fact, 12 full baskets left over. Everyone's like, I couldn't no eat scones. another scone. No more scones, please. And then they're like just handing them out on the street afterwards because they're like, we got a lot of leftovers today. I don't know what's up because we always run out of these by eight o'clock. Like... <laughs> I want to see the 12 Starbucks workers going, this can't happen. This is impossible. Jesus, what are you so, doing? So, I mean, Atlanta film industry, um, you know, Hollywood of the East, Hollywood of the East, Hollywood of the South, Hollywood of the South. Is that what we are? Hollywood of the South? The South, yeah. Like, here's our uh, pitch. Jesus feeding a 5,000 at Starbucks. Uh, Miriam yep. Morkish, happy to be lead disciple. Oh, yes. I would even accept Jesus, or, honestly. Or, Settle for Jesus. <laughs> Jesus, lead barista. Lead barista, barista could be fun. I feel like there's some great potential there. Yep. <laughs> um, yeah, call us. We'll get... Yep. Miriam has an agent, so, you know. I do, yeah. Call um, her people. creative talent. They yeah, know. call her people. Call her people. Uh, we'll negotiate. While you were talking, I uh, drew up a quick screenplay and have copyrighted it. So for all rights and purposes, uh, refer to Wilmisher's Comet Publishing. Ooh. We are nearing the end of our time, so uh, we prepared you with this question. So hopefully you thought about it. What advice would you, a very recent graduate, everyone else we've talked to is, you know, they're old like Drew and I. Um. <laughs> Speak for yourself. I'm immortal. <laughs> Doesn't mean you're not old. <laughs> Compared to what? Uh, um what it what would be some advice that you would give to current college students um uh about their life their faith whatever any advice that i'll leave that up to you whatever advice you want to give to current college students this is your time took some i I made the whole not a script but i did take (gasps) notes i love preparation hey um, so my sister's in college right now. She just started. And That's so right. a lot of it kind of comes with from some, like, what do I need to tell Fiona? Because she yeah. keeps talking about stuff that I wouldn't recommend if I were in her shoes. Um, <laughs> I mean, granted, she is also doing like homeschool college, which is uh, a whole new beast. Like yes. very unrelatable content to. Yeah. No one knows what us. we're doing. Right. <laughs> No. Yeah, she but. really needs to quit pranking her doormates. <laughs> right? Because they are getting Keeps tired getting of it. She's getting so drunk. You know? Yeah. Um, but <laughs> I think, like, my biggest piece of advice for everyone is, like, the little, like, didactic of let yourself go off track and let yourself have, like, flexible plans. And so for younger students, um, something that I see Fiona and, and I think something that maybe that I did as well was come in with a plan and 
uh, like an attempt to just knock all of these things off the list. Um, everything that I did, I wanted to be in the name of achieving some sort of grand goal. Um, I wanted everything to be just really focused and I wanted to get like all of these credits. And I think I was coming out of like a very rigorous high school kind of mindset of like, do all of these things and then you get to college and then you get to success. But it's like, whoa. And I think this is kind of something that like everyone says, which is kind of annoying to hear like that. Oh, you're only in college once just like have fun. But like genuinely, like if you see a class that looks cool, just freaking take it because like, yeah. You don't need to serve this idea of what the next thing is because there's always going to be a next thing. And odds are the next thing is not what you think the next thing's going to be. And so like taking any sort of class that looks cool or like following up on any sort of research or, or connection or internship or something that has any sort of interest, like everything's so intersectional right now. Everything can be put in conversation with so many other areas of study or areas of passion. And I think these are like great ways just in an academic sense to allow yourself to be flexible. And then for like older students, if that track is the college space, I think that's something that I think I could have done differently is maybe get out of the McAllister bubble a little bit more. Like I kind of did all that I thought I should do. Like I did a publishing internship and like naturally I worked summers and I had, um, I worked for my uncle's music. Um, he's a composer. So I worked in, printing and distribution and sales just, you know, to make money. And I, I did some freelance editing stuff, but like, I do definitely wish that I had been more involved in the community outside of the college space and kind of gone off track in, in that sense. And I know that like a lot of people, that's not always an option depending on where your college is and how urban or rural it is and what the community is like, but whether or not it's for networking, it's a great way to transition because the post-college experience is a little difficult um from what I hear I think that like um, a lot of my friends you know I was just like rocking and rolling at Cambridge like the free port and sherry was flowing I was having a great time I was bicycling everywhere like running into tourists and just kind of having the time of my life and all of my friends were having a horrible time and like naturally I'm feeling a bit down just because it's COVID and everyone's feeling a bit down. So to be kind of making that transition from an academic space to a working space is like a little bit, a little bit challenging, mm -hmm. but I think that COVID aside, like all else equal, having those connections to a professional space or to just like communities that are about shared passions or interests and kind of gradually transitioning or kind of spreading yourself a little bit more thinly across the college and the outside of college spaces, I think is something that I wish I had done a bit more and what I'd recommend to other people. And that is my, my wisdom, my faux wisdom. <laughs> well, th yeah, that's fantastic wisdom. I love it. <clears throat> faux show, you know? Faux show. <laughs> Well, thank you so much for joining us today, Miriam. Um, it was great talking with you. Um, this was awesome. Yeah. Thanks for uh, having me. For sharing your life and, uh, you know, cool things and other cool things and all the other cool things. Uh, stay warm in Minnesota. Thank you. Yes. Stay appropriately temperatured in Atlanta. <laughs> we will achieve some sort of homeostasis. I don't know. Right. I wish homeostasis for you. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> it's good oh, to see you. Real fast before we go, what is where can we follow you online? On the online. Um, I have an Instagram. It is meerkat underscore more. I haven't changed it since I was 17 because uh, change is hard. So that's it. Um and and then I'm I'm on the Facebook, but I might not accept some random friend requests if yep. I get them from strangers. So I don't know if that's something to plug, but Smart. Um, there it is. <laughs> <laughs> there you are. <laughs> All right. Well, we will be sure to post your social media handle in the show notes. And uh, yeah. as well as uh, the resources you mentioned earlier, we need diverse books and Little Black Book Nook. Um, 
so good. So thank you for all of that. And yeah. thank you for the time today. Thank yeah. you. This was so fun. <laughs> all right. Bye, Miriam. Okay, bye. This podcast was made by you, Kirk Atlanta. For more information about We Need Diverse Books or Little Black Book Nook, see today's show notes in your podcast app or on the UKirk Atlanta webpage. Visit us at www.ukirkatlanta.com for more information about our ministries at Agnes Scott, Emory, and Georgia State in downtown Atlanta. You can find contact information, sign up for our email list, and even donate online to help keep our campus ministries operating. Again, that's www.ukirkatlanta.com.